I love this show. I love this show. I've told all my co I've told all my coworkers. I've told all my coworkers. Listen to it every day. Listen to it every day and it's amazing. Do you have the spark? Hey everybody, I'm here again on Leaders of Walmart and today we have Janie Whiteside with us. Janie, if you would, could you just introduce yourself real quick? Hi, everybody. Uh, delighted to be with you. Thank you for having me, Zach. My name is Janie Whiteside, uh, and I am the Chief Customer Officer for Walmart. All right. And Janie, Chief Customer Officer, it sounds awesome, but could you tell us what exactly <laughs> is your Walmart story? What do you do? All that stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, what does the chief customer officer do? I get that question a lot. Um, you know, in a nutshell, I think I act as the advocate for the customer across everything that we do. Um, and so, you know, um, if you think about that functionally, it's everything. It starts with um, our customer science and journeys and insights teams. So how do we understand super objectively what the customer wants, what they're telling us, what they need, and how do we use that to rack and, rack and stack and prioritize the things that we're going to work on in the right order. So you start there. Then I would say you have the product team. The product team, um, led by our new chief product officer, Meng Chi, really works on physical and digital products that support both our customer and our associate. So that's everything from pickup and delivery, express, you know, like the express pickup and uh, delivery work that we're doing now through to, you know, associate tools like Ask Sam, through to uh, the, the merchant backbone in terms of the, the systems that so support the merchants. So think about everything in between that, uh, you know, our app, our website, the design that goes through that, the one app that we're creating. So the team um, pull, pulls everything together that involves our, you know, our physical and, and digital products and the connection in between. Uh, the next team, I would say, is our membership team. So uh, hopefully you all are aware of Walmart Plus. Uh, we launched a few weeks ago. As we think about doing more in the in the membership arena, both in terms of uh, having people pay for memberships of Walmart, but also thinking about what can we do to aggregate more customers, deliver more for them in the spaces that we have and, and, and other spaces and other verticals moving forward. Next team is the uh, the marketing team led by William White, our chief marketing officer. They need to really tell the story of the brand. So they tell the story of the brand both in terms of partnering with Dan Bartlett in terms of our brand's reputation, so the who we are and the why we do things, but also telling the great stories of the people and the products and the places of Walmart. So, so they're really our demand generators and storytellers in chief. Uh, we have uh, our customer care or voice of the customer organization. So think about that as um, all of the teams that support the post-transaction or post-store you know, uh, store visit um, experience if something goes wrong. Um, and also have you know, all of that back-end customer data to allow us to start to be really obsessed with defects in our process. Because if somebody's contacting us, Typically, it's because something has gone wrong. People don't tend to call us just because they want to chat to people at Walmart, right? And so, um, whether that's a, you know through our phone or our digital channels, how do we harness that data and use it to go back and figure out what went wrong and, and, and how do we fix it? And then absolutely last but not least is our advertising business, which we know as Walmart Media Group. And that is, how do we take advantage of the fact that we have 
our platforms, whether those are in the stores or online or in between. Um, and we have advertisers who'd like to reach the customers that we have. So how do we connect those two in a way that helps the advertiser reach customers they would not other, otherwise be able to reach, but in a way that is you know, accretive or additive for the customer? So we're not going to start to place ads for the sake of it in the in the shopping journey for our customers that become a distraction. It's all where we know that we could place these in a way that will help the customer and perhaps experience new things. Yeah, it's really amazing how much um, has added into that customer journey and how different it looks today versus when Walmart first started and the way you're leading that. So how did you become interested in Walmart and get started working here? So look, I'd always known about Walmart, obviously. Um, for those of you that don't know, I'm actually based out of New York. So um, I didn't have an awful lot of experience day in and day out having shopped at Walmart. Um, but when the call came to ask if I was interested, I started to do a lot more. You know, I would go and you know experience Walmart and do more understanding. I grew up, I think many people know this, I grew up overlooking the car park of an Asda. Uh, in the UK. So, um, you know, they, they had famously turned me down for my first job when I was at, uh, in between school and college. So I did a lot of research and I got really intrigued by the notion of, you know, this one man, uh, one man's dream in, in the middle of America, becoming the world's largest company in 50 years, number one. And, and what did, what did that entail? And then perhaps more importantly, with the purpose and the mission of Walmart and, um, what did save money, live better really mean? And, you know, as I was going through the interview process, I say this a lot, but Doug once said to me, you know, Janie, America deserves Walmart to win. And I really started to think about that statement because it seemed um, unusual coming from somebody who is as humble as Doug. And as I, and I started to figure out I needed to prove that to myself, that I could believe it in order to, to join. And as I dug more into, you know, reading the books, reading the stories, meeting more people, spending more time in stores, I really got to the point where, you know what, it does because the humanity and the purpose and the place that we play in so many people and communities' life and our dedication to doing the right thing for people and not preferencing people because they have more money in their pocket um, was really, really important. And so at the end of the day, it was that, right? That was what drove me to want to come because I thought, wouldn't it be great to be able to help solve problems on behalf of people who you know often aren't the most served in the community so how can we make sure that they get to access great design great experiences great simplicity on top of what they already experienced great product and great people yeah i i love that and that's same thing for me i love that walmart's customer and our associate it's the everyday person and the everyday person gets to be lifted up on a pedestal at walmart and treated the same way as any other person. I, lo I love that about us. I love our inclusion and, and diversity. Um, next question I got for you is this. What, uh, what did you do in your career to stand out as you were advancing and finding promotions? What did you do? Um, you know, I'd like to say there was some magic, uh, some magic formula. I don't think there was. If I go back and I look at at what it was, I think, you know, maybe it was a couple of things. One is um, I, I was curious and wanted to know the answer to why, probably annoyingly curious, to be honest, at, at lots of times, particularly earlier on in my career. Um, but that led me to want to get to the answer why and why not. 
Um, and so that, that sort of got me to a place where I was willing to take on the jobs that nobody else wanted. So the really gnarly jobs that I was like, well, that's not very glamorous, or that seems like it's a big piece of work, or that's going to have to be broken down and retoured and built back up. And, you know, when, when they were looking around to say, well, who wants to do that? And everybody else looked down. I was that annoying one who's like, I'll do it. Um, and it allowed me to, you know, get underneath the skin of a whole bunch of things because they weren't, you know, they weren't always the most glamorous, most high profile projects, but they were the ones that allowed me to get a whole lot of skills early on in my career, which then allowed me to put pieces of that, you know, like a jigsaw puzzle, put them together. And I think when you're building your career, one plus one often does equal three, right? Because if you put those two things together, it allows you to then get another experience over here and another one over here. Um, and then I sort of made my name to be the, the fixer upper, right? Which was something was really broken. I was willing to roll my sleeves up and say, okay, well, you know, maybe I know some of this, but not everything but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, and have a go. And so I think that was probably, um, you know, what helped, helped me move forward quickly. Yeah, I think, again, digging into that why and being willing to take on those jobs nobody wants to do, I feel like that's such an important piece of just growing your skills and diversifying yourself. I know you were the fixer-upper, but could you tell <laughs> us what was one mistake you've made in your career and what did you learn from it? God, I've made so many. I've made so many. Um, uh, I make them all every day. Uh, and I always joke, I have, a, I have a, an 11 and a 13-year-old, and they tell me constantly how many mistakes I make every day. Usually before breakfast, they, they give me a litany of things I've done. Um, I think the biggest one that really still um, gives me angst um, is I had a boss at one point many years ago who um, – didn't treat people as, as well as he could have or should have. Um, and I, on reflection, did not stand up for people in the right way. Um, and, you know, as I reflected, he later left the company. Uh, it wasn't at Walmart. And, you know, when I went back and I looked at it, I realized that I had become part of the you know, uh, part of the, the, the situation and had not stood up for the team, had not stood up for myself, had not stood up for my colleagues. Um, and it really made me realize, having come out of the situation, that I was promulgating or perpetuating that behavior and it was unacceptable. And it required me um, to think about it a lot, but to go back. I went back to all of the individuals at that time to talk to them about, uh, A, to apologize and B, talk about um, what I'd learned. And it's made me really try and focus on making sure that when you see that happening, when you see those circumstances evolving, to not get um, dragged into it and to be brave enough to be able to say, absolutely not, I am not partaking in this. And by the way, that's not acceptable. I'm not going to allow you know, anybody to, um, uh, to, to behave like that. And one of the, you know, going back to the, the why, one of the first things I asked Mark Lurie when I met with him was what's, you know, what is most important to you as a leadership trade? And he said, being kind. Um, and it resonated so much with me because I've learned what it's like to not have somebody around you who's kind and perhaps not be kind to other people. And so that really still sits with me because when I go back, you know, I, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not, I just don't feel proud of, of, of that period. It was a short period, but um, it certainly is something that propels me you know, in here, in here, and in here now moving forward. Yeah. I think it's so important though, is what you're talking about. The way I'm hearing it is, 
it was that leadership aspect that's within you and that's that still holds on to you and probably helped define you of these leaders are really people who want to take care of those around them and open up to mistakes and whatnot. So that kind of takes me right into this next question, which is what advice would you give to someone who's trying to be promoted into a leadership role? You know, look, I think, um, I mean, look, first of all, I've just said it, but always be kind. I always kind of joke with the team. Let me tell you, in my career, I have had, you know, people who I have worked for who, you know, you parlay it on days, weeks, months, years. They're, they're either a colleague of you or all of a sudden the, the tables are turned. You never quite know when people are going to turn up. So besides the, the, you know, the human nature of being kind, just be good to people because you never know when they're going to reappear. Uh, and the last thing you want is to walk into a room and be like, oh, no. Um, so that's kind of a, a base level one. The other one I would say is, um, you know, the fastest way to get from A to, you know, Z, Z, um, is not always to be linear. Uh, and I, you know, I talked about, you know, taking on the, you know, the, the, perhaps the less glamorous job, um, or, you know, uh, taking that, that lateral move, think about, I, you know, it sounds corny, but if you want to think about skills, you really need to think about how can you get as many skills as you can, as you're climbing up the ladder, because ultimately every organization is like a, is like a pyramid, right? And to get to the top, the ones who have the highest probability of getting to the top are the ones who have, the, have had the most experience. Because at some point, if you've only got, you know, experiences on this side or this side, it's hard to be, you know, much more of a, a broad-based leader. So getting, you know, getting those skills, which inevitably means sometimes going sideways to, to, to accelerate. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think that is something that I've learned. You know, you see these people who are like, well, but I've jumped, I've jumped, I've jumped, and jumped. And then at some point, but you don't have these, these skills. So it's hard to get you to, yeah. the, to the next level. So don't get obsessed with, you know, I need, I need to run as fast as I can to the next job. Round yourself out and, and be confident that you have mastered the skill that you're trying to get before you think about going on to the, to the next thing. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And especially as you introduce what, you know, being the chief customer officer is, there's so many parts of that. And I'm sure that rounding yourself out and, you know, focusing on how do I gain all these skills is so important to that. And as well as it would be to anyone. Um, I know that the customer journey has changed a lot. It's changing a lot. And I'm sure this may have some, uh, that may have some element into your next question, which is, what do you believe is the biggest challenge for today's leaders? And how would you advise them to overcome it? Oh, that's a great one. Um, um, I think, uh, I think one of the biggest challenges we've all got is that, uh, the pace of change is outstripping anybody's expectations or expertise, right? And so when you think about, you know, if you've read that book, or you, you know, a student of management science, that book, you know, what got you here won't get you there. Um, that's a leadership book, but I, I think about that philosophy a lot because, you know, Walmart as an organization is trying to go from a very traditional vertical retailer that had supply chain logistics and operational and merchandising expertise to becoming a, you know, a digitally focused, customer-centric, agile organization. What we're trying to be leverages everything that we're good at, which is the hard stuff, right? Um, but requires us to do all of that and think and act differently and so um i think we've all got to challenge ourselves as you just because we've done things for five years or you know or 10 years or 15 years does not mean that the same thing is going to 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 take us moving forward and so 
be open. I think we all have to be opening to listen and to learn. We have to listen with two ears to what the customer is telling us and really start to get underneath, well, why? What is it that we're seeing? What is it that we're hearing? And how do you start to think about, you know, how do you start to think about what they're telling us they want to need? And then you can go back and say, okay, well, if we can understand that, then we can look at all the things that we know we're really good at. We can get amazing products at really great prices, and nobody can operationalize and, like, and, and, and get a supply chain humming, and nobody has the humanity of the associates that we have. That piece, we can get working, but we've got to understand how we mobilize things the right way for the customers. And just because we can do things doesn't mean we should do them. And so right, the other thing I think as a leader is – um, we've all got to challenge ourselves to say, how do we do less better, right? So it's not about a hundred things. It's about doing the right X number of things and doing them really well. Yes. Um, and that list is hard because we all want to do everything and it's hard to prioritize and figure out what to do and what not to do. Um, I tell my team often, you know, when you have a list of priorities, if it's not painful to draw a line somewhere, then there's a problem in it, Right there's always more things than we have time, money, people, attention, or all of the rest. Uh, and so challenging yourself to say, are these the right things? Are these the right things? Are they in the right order? Why am I doing them? Do they make sense? Um, I think is really important for all of us as we think about how we navigate this, this new normal pre-pandemic, this new normal during the pandemic, and you know, hoping there's a post-pandemic period soon, and there'll be a new normal coming out of that too. Yeah, I, that's all. I mean, the complexity of leadership and um, but then simplifying it with the right priorities. I think that's great feedback. Um, great advice. Janie, any final thoughts for the audience that you have to share today? I would just say, you know, number one, thank you for everything you do day in and day out. Um, it is a humbling and an honorable experience to be part of the, the Walmart family. Um, and um, I want to thank everybody for that. And then the second is um, one of the things that I find really inspiring is the curiosity and the entrepreneurship and the, um, you know, the connectivity, the number of people that email me daily to say, hey, this is happening. You're not sure whether you understood that this solution is creating you know, an outcome and I think you could do it differently or I've got an idea. Right. I love that there is that fluidity and, and flow of creativity and ingenuity and entrepreneurship. Keep it up. Um, there is nothing better than hearing from people who say, even I'd like to understand why we're doing this. Um, I love that. And I would say, do not lose that because I think that's a uniqueness to the Walmart culture that doesn't happen in many big companies and is part of what makes us great. Um, and so, yeah, I am so proud and so humbled to be part of the, the Walmart family. Well, thank you. We, of course, love having you here and uh, appreciate the advice and the conversation today. And Janie, take care. We'll see you out there. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to SparkCast. Join us on Workplace to learn more about this episode. Join the Social Champs program and how-to guides on improving your social posts. Until next time, be the spark the world needs.